Welcome to Resilience Unraveled, featuring scientists, practitioners, experts and everyday people with knowledge, tips, experience and great stories to share to help you get a grip of your life. We'll give you insights into a range of subjects, including reducing your stress, improving your emotional intelligence, health and well-being and controlling your negative thoughts. By doing this, you'll be able to improve your resilience, confidence, control and perform better every day to live a more productive and purposeful life. For a free resilience ebook, listen through to the end for details. Here's your host, Dr. Russell Thackeray. So today I'm talking to Mark Wentworth, who describes himself as a colour ambassador and the founder of colourforlife.com. And uh, really interested to talk to him because I've been fascinated with this whole concept myself with a background in marketing and psychology and seeing, uh, and actually following a sort of previous podcast, we discovered how uh, colour helps us understand emotion. So really interested to talk to Mark and hear his perspective and see how colour can help us with resilience and making the best of our lives. So good morning, Mark. Good morning. Good morning. And I'm detecting a fine UK accent this time, so it's, it's always nice to have a, a homegrown person. How, where, where are you today, Mark? <laughs> well, actually, I'm in uh, talking to you from Lisbon. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, beautiful part of the world. Yes, indeed it is. It's, I'm originally from Norwich, though, but uh, at the moment I'm in Lisbon, which is a beautiful, sunny morning. I think I think um, I've just reached a point of jealousy now where I think we have to move on. <laughs> you win. <laughs> so um, so so, Mark, how do you how would you describe what you do? What I do is help people to actually know themselves. It's almost like to actually know what's naturally there using the medium of colour. It's helping people to use the right colours to actually bring out the best of who they are. And I'm, I'm guessing you're not just talking about um, sort of stylistic stuff and fashion and such like. I'm, I'm guessing you're t- something, talking about something a bit deeper than that. Yes, it's, it is. Uh, well, it's funny actually you mentioned the style aspect because when I first started doing my training about 30 years ago, uh, people said, oh, do you tell me what colour clothes I should wear? And um, so I did a quick, a brief training in that. So I could actually say, yes, I do, but, and do you realise that this colour also means this, this, and this? So I'm much more interested in the psychology of colour and the therapeutic use of colour. Right, interesting. So so what's your background? How did you get into the whole subject? Uh, you say you've been doing this for 30 years. What we, and I'm clearly looking at your picture... You obviously started as a young man, so uh, what were you doing before this? <laughs> got um, myself in, I got myself right into a corner there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, do you know, kind of when I left school, I had no idea what I wanted to do apart from one thing. I knew I wanted to travel, and I had various different kind of jobs, and then I started doing some training. I trained as a makeup artist in TV and film. In special effects, so I can always tell people how they how to look. Let's say how to look worse rather than how to look better. Mm. And then from that, I met people who were doing the color therapy. And as soon as we met, and they started talking to me, it was they talked a language that I understood, and that was the beginning of it. And that was uh, when I was in my early twenties. 
And I just knew that's exactly what I wanted to do and to help people understand and how to use color in a way because it's around us all the time. So how to put it to use for their sort of for their own good how to bring out the best of someone. Okay. So it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? I suppose when you start thinking about this is, I mean, what is color? Yeah, and that uh, yeah, and it, well, there's many different aspects of that. Firstly, it's a frequency. You know, it's a frequency of light, and it, each color has its own frequency and vibration. And then it's how we perceive it, and it's the rods and cones in the backs of our eyes that actually help, which make us kind of perceive color slightly different. So we can all look at one color, but some people will see it more of a lighter shade of red, for example, or a darker shade of red. And then it's the impact that it then has on us. So you're saying it's the, it's the frequency of the vibration, the color that has the impact on us because we're, it's, it's affecting us in some way. Yes. It has a kind of a physical, a, uh, physiological, psychological, emotional, mental, and spiritual effect. Wow, so can you tell me how that works? Yeah, so when we, uh, when we take in the color, we see the color. And it's interesting that blind people can actually have a good sense of color. And that's sometimes where people get, we get stuck, is we think that color is such a visual thing. But uh, a lot of blind people will, can tell you they can feel the difference in the colors. And it's one of the things that I encourage people to do is close your eyes, hold a piece of color, any piece of material, nothing special, hold it and just ask yourself, how does it feel? And then you get start to get a deeper sense of your own personal reactions to colors. So there's that aspect. And then there's um, color is a very good anchor. You know, kind of sometimes we have difficult situations, but we might forget the situation, but our unconscious in its wisdom says, well, just in case you decide to look at this, here's a key to unlock it, and that key just happens to be color. So sometimes uh, we can have a dislike of color, and that's what I'm really interested in, in people's dislikes of color, because it's nothing to do with the color, it's us that makes the colour guilty or not. Right, so the colour's blameless in this. It's actually our interpretation of what the colour means to us in some way. Yeah, because there's an association somewhere. So if so, if you were talking to someone who... Um, so I'm interested in the therapeutic aspects of this. So mm -hmm. if you're talking to someone who's recalling an incident or, or, or is telling you that they're anxious about something, which a lot of people with lower resilience often find that you know, they're experiencing some sort of anxiety issue, how would you use colour to, to help them unpack their issue? Well, you could say, for example, you could say, kind of, okay, so if this feeling had a colour, if this kind of anxiety had a colour, what colour would it be? And then ask the question is, if there was a colour that would help you feel more confident or more relaxed, what colour would that be? And very simply, you would breathe in the, the positive colour and breathe out the anxious colour. That would be a starting point. 
That's interesting, actually, because we do use that in sort of guided breathing with meditation and mindfulness, this idea of breathing in and out colours. So that's, mm -hmm. that, that's interesting. But, but what you're saying is it's, it's for the person to choose their colour to breathe in and out. Yes, because then it makes it much more personal to to the individual. It's then their colour, not... Uh, so when people say, what does this colour mean? Or they ask me, what does this colour mean? I kind of always give it back to them and say, well, what does it mean to you? Because I want to help people find their colour stories. I want them to actually find their the colours that work for them. Right. So... So in a way, it's something. It's like using it as an analogy for help for helping people to make sense of their story using, but using this sort of visual imagery rather than a sound, for example. Yes, yes, and so you know, sometimes it's really difficult for people to put, uh, let's say, words or descriptions to an event or an emotion. Whereas to say, well, if it had a color, what color would it be? Right. It's it's much easier to do that. I understand. And so this is the sort of um, basis of colour psychodynamics, is it? Because you mentioned that on your website, because I, I did distract you out of your story, so I got interested straight away. Sorry about that. <laughs> so this is, this is, this is the basis of colour psychodynamics, is, is it? Yes. Yeah, colour psychodynamics is part of that, is helping people to actually find their own uh, relationship and build their relationship with colour. And how we... And to, to help people look around them and be conscious of the colours that they bring into their life. Because, like for instance, Jung uh, was a great fan of using colour and understanding that colour had its own language and that every colour we put around us tells part of our story. So, so some of my work is going into people's houses and looking at all the colours they have around them and the colours they don't have around them, which partly explains why I don't get many invitations to people's houses because I'm always worried about what I'm going to see or what I'm not going to see. Right. <laughs> so, so does this link in with Feng Shui in some way? Are, are those two things just co coincidentally in the same world? I would say they're coincidentally in the same world. I, I'm more looking, whereas Feng Shui has a, let's say, a formula about you put this here and you look at things in a specific way, whereas I'm looking at what you naturally put there, what spontaneously you put, because that tells me, much, from my point of view, that tells me much more about the person and what's happening. So if you went to someone's bedroom where they slept and they had an issue with, for example, for example sleeping, would you would you examine the colour palette that's been used there to say, well, actually, there's something you can do here to help you get a better night's sleep by adjusting the colours in the room or the furnishings or something? Yep, absolutely. You can look at that aspect. Um, you can, because, like, uh, there's different colours. Like, for instance, yellow is regarded as the caffeine of the colour spectrum. So it's any shade or tone of yellow for someone who has difficulty in sleeping is not the best colour to have in a bedroom. So you change that. Um, greens, relaxing colours would obviously are more beneficial. And again, it comes back to the thing of just because we, let's say, our eyes are closed, we're in a dark room, doesn't mean we're not we're still not being affected by the colour because we're the nerve endings in the skin are incredibly light colour sensitive. So just because we can't see the colour doesn't mean we're not being affected by it. 
That's quite a thought, really, when you think about it, isn't it? When you think of the riot of colours around us. I mean, I'm sitting in, in my um, study at home, and I've got, I have must have a thousand books in front of me, all of which are different colours. Yep. And what you're saying is each one of those is sort of impacting, even if I'm not aware of them. Yep. Okay. You know, it's, it's that sense of... A simple example is, you know, when you've redecorated and hopefully when you walk into the room, you go, wow, this is a great colour. Yeah. And for the, maybe in the first two weeks, three weeks, you walk into the room and you notice the colour. But maybe after six weeks, you walk into the room and you no longer notice the colour in the same way. Mm. It's then more an unconscious thing. It's still mm. there, it's still having the same effect, but you no longer notice it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because we've just redecorated a room in our own house and actually I don't like it. And it's, right. it's a visceral thing that the colours are all wrong and they're not and they're not hanging together, you know. So it's, I get this thing, it's, it sort of works at an unconscious level to provide some level of sort of discomfort almost. Yes, mm. yeah. So you, yeah. Were, you were working your way through the colours and again I interrupted you, Mark, I do apologise. So you're saying yellow is the caffeine of colours. I like that, that's a way of describing it. That's it's quite groovy. Greens, we talked about the relaxation. I'm assuming that you work your way through the rainbow because that seems the, the easiest thing. What, what about reds? Red, let's say the kind of bright red, you know, that's very kind of active, as you would expect, as you would dis probably describe it. It's very active, dynamic, whereas the darker shade of red, burgundy maroon, is much more, it's calmer. You know, kind of an example of the use of red and the darker red was red is that bright red is much more used in fast food restaurants because in research people eat faster when they're surrounded by red or indeed you put things like uh, red uh, tomato ketchup on their food people will still eat quicker than if you use any other color and the darker red is just that little bit more relaxed and take things easy and in marketing perspective the darker red you know you would expect to pay more for something than if it was in a bright red right that's interesting yeah I'm, I'm familiar with some of the stuff from marketing it's quite interesting yeah. when, we're, when you're talking about it in the therapy side so i must come back to that but yep. so i'm just yep. i'm going to be disciplined now work my way through the rainbow so <laughs> i'm going to be red and yellow and pink and green. i've already lost out i can't remember the, yeah. what about oranges <laughs> oranges that's, that's one of them isn't it yeah orange it's well certainly therapeutically you know kind of there's different again with all colors there's different shades and tones but certainly uh, peach colour is certainly in a therapy room. It's very beneficial because it gives the client a sense of safety. Right. It kind of wraps them up and says, yes, you are safe in this space. And certainly if there's any, uh, let's say, inner child work, that, again, it encourages. It's the colour of the inner child. It makes that aspect of ourselves feel very safe and okay to come out. That's interesting because um, I, I, often it's lilac and the purples which are seen more as that sort of wraparound colour. So I'm interested that you think it's more the peach side. Maybe it's just a different, maybe it's just a, a distinctive, a distinction thing here, but um, where, yeah. where would purples and lilacs set them? Well, see, for me, the lilacs are um, purples. I would personally, I would, I, I would not use them in a thera 
in a therapy room, certainly if there was any kind of, let's say, mental mental health, mental illness, because it tends to exacerbate the issue. Right. So you're saying maybe a bedroom would be better off being peach than purple yep. as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And again, because purple lilac is a very, uh, it, it's got a fast vibration, so it may dissociate people. I see. Um, um, browns? Browns are very good, kind of, they, they're very grounding. You know, they make, they literally color of the earth. Yeah. Uh, it's that warm, depend, again, depending on the shades and tones of the brown, but there's aspects of brown, it's the country kitchen, it's that earth mother aspect, so it's a very nurturing colour. Right, and that must leave blues. Um, blues, very relaxing, very kind of calming, and again, depends on the kind of blue, because you can get a cold blue and you can also get a warm blue. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of the warm blues, great if they help people to almost like kind of take away from physical pain. Right. So if you, you know, so if you've got physical aches and pains, blue tends to lift us away from that and make us, us less aware. Right. Interesting. So, so if I want to be bright and breezy and um, do some work, setting goals and getting all bouncy and such like. You know, you, you head to a yellowy sort of space. You would go into, you go to yellow, but you, you would kind of also include a bit of the kind of the purples as well to get that creative space. Because right. too much yellow gives you too much kind of, uh, let's say, logical, logical thinking. So you might just see the narrow view, whereas the purples open up the more much like the wider perspective, the bigger picture. Interesting. Okay. So, um, I see. So, so basically, okay. So, interesting. So you've then obviously gone and trained this because I noticed that you've, you've created a lot of different, um, workshops in the expressive arts and psychodrama areas. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me yep. about that. So I, when I was, when I do my training, I was looking at color and I was being taught about the therapeutic use of colored light and, it's, I was thinking, well, me and colour have a different relationship. I want to know how is it, how do, how do we carry these colours inside of us and how can we bring them out? So I was started asking people and experimenting with, well, if you were that colour, how would you express yourself? You know, what kind of character would you be? What kind of story would you have? So it's really bringing the colours out from the inside out. And then taking those characters and saying, well, okay, how do you influence, let's say, how, let's say, as the red character, how do you influence Mark's life? What do you do? And having the characters have, the colours have conversations with each other to actually create a, let's say, an inner support system. Yes. Now, that's really interesting because that reminds me a lot of the work of Edward de Bono in the creative thinking space around the six thinking hats, which are all the point of the hats is that they're different colours and the colours have representations. Yeah. And you you are the colour rather than and what the colour represents as part of that mm-hmm. thinking thing, rather than yourself being yourself. Yes. So, so I can see that yeah, that using that analogy sort of very strong there, isn't it? 
Yes. Yeah. And then there's a, there's also a system that I work with, which is where everyone has their own uh, specific color, and that uses that starts from the using the ancient art of numerology. You take your date of birth, and you come out as a specific number, and then each number then has its own color relation. So it gives you what is called your life path color, and your life path color is very much about the ground upon which you stand. So it's how you see the world. Wow. Oh, blame me. I know, I know I could be jo joyfully distracted into a conversation <laughs> like that, but I'm going to be disciplined and not, and not go there. That, but that's very So you're saying colour is really that deep. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. Oh, blame me. I had a really good question. It's dropped out of my head. Um, so talk to me. Uh, so is that the dynamic theatre thing you're talking about, this idea of drum and, st and storytelling? Yes, because yeah, because it's it's when you know your colour, when you know. Uh, I mean, basically, the, I'll give the quick formula: is you take your full date of birth, you add all the numbers together, treat them as single digits, and keep on reducing it till it comes to a single number between one and nine, and then each of the nine numbers have nine colours. One to seven is the seven colours of the rainbow. And then number eight is rose, and then number nine is gold. And when you know your color, you can really bring it to life. You know, what kind of character does it have? What kind of story does it have? And really, work again, working that out, but to actually bring it to life, not just in imagination, but to act it out. And this is where aspects of dynamic theater come from and storytelling. So, so this is interesting because a lot of people equate self-esteem with how we look or our perception of how we look in the world. And are you sort of linking the colour and self-esteem thing together, saying that actually if you know your true colour and you dress in that colour and you be that colour, actually that's a greater, that's the sort of, that you're sort of linking your, your self-esteem to that sort of natural, that natural source of energy. Yep, because it's like being the best version of yourself. I use the analogy as like, uh, let's say you're born as an orange tree, for example. You can have as much therapy you, as you want. You can do as go on as many treat, retreats as you want, but you will never, ever be a lemon tree. So best be the best orange tree you can be. Right, interesting. And, of course, what's interesting in the colour thing that you described there is black and white, isn't there? There is black and white. Um, some people will say they're not colours, but I kind of put them in there as well. And with, you know, there's never uh, a more positive or more negative colour. They all have their place. They all have, the, they all have their positives and negatives. Black, yep, it can be, some people will say it's very depressing. Other people will say, like in fashion, it's incredibly stylish. Mm. It depends on the reason the person wears it or has it around. So I mean, the same with white. The cl classic thing is, I was always told that black was very slimming, so clearly I like to wear black a lot. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be helping at the moment. <laughs> but what about? I mean, they're more like the canvas, aren't they, against which colours work, or something like that, perhaps. Yes, and the, the thing you mentioned about black is more slimming. Now, uh, there is, I, have, I understand that, but let me ask you this. If you had a black box and a white box, 
And I said to you, which one of those looks heavier? Ah. Which one looks heavier? Yeah, the black box. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, there's a, to me, the, the psychology of wearing black, because maybe we feel a little bit overweight, it almost has a bit of a, let's say, a negative effect, because it's like saying, well, I'm not really comfortable with this particular part of my body, so I'm going to try and cover it up, and yet all the light is going to be drawn, it's going to be, so it's going to be drawn to this particular part of my body, so I'm actually doing the adverse and showing you. Mm. Interesting. I suppose a lot of people wear black simply because it's just practical, it doesn't show yeah, the dirt. Yeah, there is that, yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's I mean, interesting, I mean, like you, I spend a bit of time in Europe, and you do notice the difference in colours. You'll see that Europeans wear much lighter fabrics obviously because of the, the the difference in temperature but you do see a very different style especially in men's fashion of male suits you know you, you'll see reds and creams and such like whereas if you wander in the uk it nearly always is i mean not always but often and especially america as well as the blackened navy thing that's going on isn't it Oh yes, I know. I have a lot of kind of European friends, and they're almost like saying they can't get over how much like being on the tube in London, uh, how much black and grey they see. Yes, yes, it is about, and I think it is like the further north you go in Northern Europe, the the more not so dull the colours, but the less use of colour. Whereas actually, I think it would be help if we actually introduce more colour. So do you think, because often you'll see people who have a slightly more flying, flamboyant colour, you know, sort of differentiating or bringing colour to bear and saying it's things like ties or shirts or mm -hmm. uh, socks seems to be the new thing, yes. isn't it? And certainly in male yeah. fashion. It seems to be the, the only way we can, you know, those of us a bit more flamboyant can express ourselves. But what, what, what are you saying happens to us when we're wearing too much black and navy as business people? Are? Is, is, that a, is that even a problem for us? Yeah, I think there's the, the, I mean, certainly what you say, like the, the socks and the ties are the way that we can express a certain amount of individuality. Mm. Uh, but certainly with the kind of the blacks, the greys and the navies, it's almost like a conformity. Of course, there are kind of uniforms and there are also the kind of, there's guidelines about what to wear, not to wear in the kind of the office as well. Um and I think we have to counterbalance that by finding other ways to introduce colour. Yeah. Yes. To bring it to actually like through socks and ties, yeah. yeah. And actually thinking about people's sort of spirit at work and well-being, it sounds, it sounds sensible to make sure that you're designing offices that are sort of uplifting as well, I guess. Yes, and also using the right kind of lighting as well. Because some, because a lot, there's a lot of lighting which is almost like uh, very uh, counterproductive to well-being. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, certainly. Kind of the there's a lot of LED lighting which is blue light, hmm. and uh, it's so it's missing. Let's say the warm end of the spectrum. Right. So it's not so healthy for us. There's lots of research about how it affects our body clock and even now with the kind of that research has been taken much uh, kind of much further forward and there's a lot of new kind of uh, app uh, sort of products and now coming out where at certain times of the day they change the light the background lighting changes 
that's just on products, but certainly in the environment, it's always good to consider how much natural light do we allow in. Yes. Yes, because it's interesting at the moment with it being winter, you notice this idea of um, if you're in a if you're in a place which has a lot of windows, obviously it becomes dark, and then lighting becomes very yellowed, isn't it? And it's very mm-hmm. it's quite relaxing actually. Well, well, you're right when the LED and yes. the halogen lights are around, it's very becomes very stark. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's really necessary to actually to balance that out of actually having the kind of the full spectrum lighting. There's so there's a lot there is a lot of research going on about architectural lighting, uh, and healthy healthy lighting, shall we say? Yeah, and that's interesting in our own homes because we can make some sort of informed choices about that as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, and there is it, you know kind of probably I would say it's well like you said it kind of the blue the, that blue lighting really makes a place look very cold and it, it, a home is to me is about being warm and inviting. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. Tell me um tell me about that dynamic heart project, which is something you mentioned on your website. So the Dynamic Heart Project is something that uh, myself and a colleague we set up in well, was it back in two thousand and eight actually, and it's a not-for-profit association, and it's where we take colour, dynamic theatre, storytelling, and we take our work to different parts of the world. Uh, so we worked in in Nepal. We worked with children who'd been caught up in the civil war and uh, orphans. And basically, we took we worked with them with colour and storytelling. And then also we worked in Bangladesh in a small village where they'd had a, an accident and lost. Um, 45 of the village children had been killed in an accident. And so we were, again, we worked with colour and storytelling with them as well. And it's a way of um, <clears throat> taking that work, because I, I, the reason I do, the reason we set that up is because it feels a privilege to actually be working in something that I absolutely love. Mm. You know, but I love my work. Yeah. I can't really separate work and life. They kind of they're so entwined that I can't separate. So it feels a privilege to be doing that. Yeah. So it's a, the reason we set it up is the way of, to give something back. It's a very interesting idea. One that Janet and I played around with a lot in this business as well, as because we do we do really genuinely enjoy what we do. So that's a very yeah. interesting way of making that come to life. And I know you've also. Um, I mean, you've written a book as well, and that's that's a good way for people to really get to wrap their heads around the subject. So, can you tell me a bit more around around the book side of things? Yes. Uh, the, so the book is called "Add a Little Color to Your Life," and I wrote it in well, how's it in 1998 actually, and it was because many people were saying, "Oh, is there a good little book that introduces aspects of color?" So. It covers it's a each part is an introduction to the many different areas of color. So, like color and decor, color and clothing, and the different um, psychological aspects of color, and then much more about the how to work out your color and characteristics of each of those colors. Excellent! Oh, that sounds fascinating. And we can get that from your website as Amazon as well, perhaps. 
Amazon. It's at the moment it's available just as an ebook, um, but uh, hopefully soon it's coming out as in a hardback edition or hard copy edition. But yes, it, and it's available in English, Spanish, Portuguese, and Turkish. That is an eclectic, an eclectic, unusual. <laughs> I can't say eclectic this morning. Good, yes. good selection of choices. <laughs> Covers all the options. That. Excellent. Yeah. Now, now, when we've been chatting, and um, uh, please don't think this rude, but I've been working out the number. So I'm an, oh, I'm number two. So what advice can you give me then? What does that mean for my my colour path? Okay, so your colour is orange. Oh, great. Okay. Yep. Now, there's no one specific orange. There's no one specific shade of that colour. So it's looking along the full spectrum of orange. You know, kind of this way it could go into the very pale peach up in or into the apricots as well, which has got more yellow than the red, which is more peach end. So it's a full spectrum of orange, finding the one that you feel really comfortable with. And that's what I call your safe colour. That's your home colour, as in the one that makes you feel good. And then look along that same spectrum and find the shade that you just, you think, no, this is, I wouldn't like to be surrounded by this colour. And that's almost your, let's say that's the remedy colour or shade of that colour to introduce gradually a little bit more of. Interesting. Okay, I shall have a bash at that. And of course, um, I'm guessing I can just go to these colour wheels on you know, the paint yeah. manufacturers, that's the easiest way to do that, isn't it, I guess? Yes, yeah. Brilliant. Mark, yeah. <laughs> that's fascinating. I do like something for myself, Mark, and I'm not that I'm greedy and selfish, but, you know, that was really great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so if people would like to get hold of you, perhaps engage with you uh, at a corporate level or get the book or whatever, what's the best way of getting hold of you? Uh, firstly, to the website, colourforlife.com, and you can sign up for my newsletter there. You can email me, mark at colourforlife.com uh, and then from that you can see all the different work that I'm doing around the world and I'm just starting a, a one day course which is teaching people the, the essences of kind of the work that I do like archetypal colour psychology and in a sort of depth coaching using colour archetypes. And I'm just starting teaching that as a one-day course. Excellent. So if there's any coaches out there, they might find that useful. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. Mark, Mark, thank you so much for your time. It's been really enjoyable. I've, I've, uh, and I've learned a lot, as always. And um, thank you so much for giving us your time. And hopefully people will beat a path to your website and get that, get that book. Thank you very much. You thank take, you. Thank you. You take care. We hope you found today's podcast useful. If you did, why not subscribe and listen to our other podcasts? We would love it if you could leave us a review. To access our resilience coaching, contact us at info at qedod.com. And finally, if you'd like to download our free resilience ebook, go to qedod.com slash free ebook. Thanks for listening.